that that dad is a good dad uh, in the sense that he exhibited some qualities of love to his son, right? And the qualities of love that he exhibited, I'd like to maintain, were sacrifice, protection, wisdom, courage, and discernment, okay? So that dad loved his little boy. His little boy, you can imagine if you were to go to, if his little boy was going to go to school, you know, what would the other students do and say to him? Yeah, scarhead, scarhead, or whatever. I mean, they're going to go after him, aren't they? Um, you would hope that they wouldn't, but, you know, there's always one or two that are going to do that. So I just want to talk about those qualities that I mentioned, sacrifice, protection, wisdom, courage, and discernment. And those are qualities, dads, that you have. And we want to increase those qualities as fathers. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at a dad in the Bible And I want to uh, exemplify, I want to bring out those qualities in a father that we're going to see in the Bible. Then we'll apply that to our own lives, okay? So the dad in the Bible that I never thought about as a dad, and I'm willing to bet you probably haven't either, is with a character named Mordecai. Now, Mordecai, you know him from the book of Esther. Now, the star of the book of Esther is Esther. But the co-star of the book of Esther is Mordecai. The director and producer of the book of Esther is God, right? Okay, so as as long as we're giving credit here. Um, So I want to talk to you about Mordecai and how he exemplified these five qualities as a dad. Do you guys even know that Mordecai was a dad? I mean, we we don't think about it because that's not usually what's taught in messages. This this kind of uh, was new to me. All right, so let's take a look at Mordecai's sacrifice. Um, Let me just give you uh, some background on the book of Esther. It was written about the 5th century B.C. Uh, It took place in the Persian kingdom. Uh, King Ahasuerus was the king. It was the uh, empire on the planet at that time. So Ahasuerus was like the most powerful guy that there was. And you remember... uh, Queen Vashti wouldn't listen to him, and so he had to get rid of her because she was a disobedient wife for whatever reason. We don't know that. And so now the king is sending for all. They're like, hey, let's bring all these pretty young women, virgins, to the king's harem. Let's prepare them for a year, and let's parade them before the king and let him pick a new queen, right? That makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, so that's, that's what's going on. That's the background of our story. So let's see what's going on with Mordecai during this time. Um, Of course, Esther was one chosen. Esther is in the harem. So she's going to undergo these beauty treatments and and special diet and things like that. But let's see what's going on with Mordecai. So I'm in chapter 2, verse 5 through 7 here of Esther. Okay, in Shushan the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai. He was the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. So we need to put a little uh, sticky note on Mordecai is a son of Kish, a Benjamite. You should remember 500 years earlier, the king Saul, who was his dad, it was Kish. And Saul was from what tribe? Benjamin. Okay, so Mordecai is descended from 
Saul. Right? Isn't that interesting? Okay. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem. So obviously it was another Kish. It wasn't the Kish 500 years earlier. Okay? So there's this other Kish that had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. So in 586 B.C., right, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, they, they take the Jews captive. Okay, well, the Persians defeat the Babylonians, right? So now the Persian Empire is the one in power. Um, and Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. You know, I, I never paid attention to that. Mordecai took her as his own daughter. So this is Mordecai's cousin, right? So Hadassah at this time, she's probably a teenager, early teens. My guess is Mordecai might be late teens, maybe early 20s. Um, so, you know, Mordecai makes a sacrifice here. And what is it? He agrees to raise his cousin. Okay, he agrees to raise his cousin as a captive in a strange land, right? And so let's say the guy's late teens, early 20s. How much confidence does he have to raise Esther? You know, I mean, what does he know about raising children? He's And so, I, you know, to me, it just, it really was a sacrifice that Mordecai made to do this in a, in a land where the Jews were exiled. So I thought that that is really cool that he did that. And dads, you make sacrifices, don't you? Some of you have had foster children, right? I mean, Mordecai was called, Mordecai is a father of Esther. The scripture said that she was his daughter. So if you have fostered, if you have adopted dads, you are the father. You are the dad. And that is really cool. If you've done that, then you have made a sacrifice. You've stepped up to the plate. But if you haven't done that, just having children, right, you sacrifice. And it's, it's probably safe to say, dads, that most of the money you make, let, you know, whatever, whoever's the breadwinner in the family, doesn't really matter, But because I'm talking to dads right now. Let's just assume, dads, you, you make money and provide for the family. Maybe the wife does too. But I'm guessing that most of your money goes to your family. Would that be true, Daz? Yeah, I mean, because you're... <laughs> I hear an amen from the back. I mean, Dad, you're making a sacrifice. It's not like, it's not like my $250,000 that I make a year. <laughs> that was your cue. That's good. It's not like that all comes to me, right? You know, we have house payments. We pay for food. We take our kids to eat ice cream. Uh, we pay for summer camps. We pay for clothing. We, I mean, all that stuff. And we're happy to do that, aren't we? Because we love our kids. Okay, so dads, you make sacrifices. Um, you work hard. And so thank you, dads, for your sacrifice. And continue to make sacrifice, right? For your family, for your wives. Okay, let's, let's continue with our story. So remember, Esther's in the, in the harem. And she's getting all these beauty treatments. And she's on this special diet. Okay, that's where Esther is. Okay, in the meantime, let's see what's going on with Mordecai. So I'm in chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. Uh, in, this, in this one, Mordecai is going to 
exemplify the quality of protector. Okay, that's what I want to emphasize here. Esther had not revealed her people or family, for Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. And every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and to see what was happening to her next. Okay, so how is Mordecai being protective here? One, he tells Esther, his daughter, is like, look, don't tell the people in the harem that you're a Jew. And don't tell them I'm a Jew. Why would she say that? Because the Jews were taken over by the Babylonians who were taken over by the Persians. The Jews are the enemy, right? The Jews are in exile. They're captives. There was anti-Semitism big time going on in the Persian Empire. And I'll get to that in a few minutes. So Mordecai is being protective of Esther, right? Because if Esther says in the king's harem that she's a Jew, she might get some nasty pushback on being a Jew, right? Um, The other thing we know is that every day Mordecai paced in front of the court. Okay, so, you know, your your son or daughter's first date, right? You guys picture it? So mom and dad are like doing this at home. (laughs) God help them. (laughs) Or maybe their first job, right? It's not a worry thing. It's, it's a prayer thing. Okay, so Mordecai doesn't say that he was praying. But what was he doing? He was learning of Esther's welfare. Okay, like any good dad, if your daughter is in, is in the harem of the most powerful man on the world, you're going to be a little concerned, right? If she does one thing wrong, it could be off with her head. So this guy is making sure that he hears everything going on at the King's Gate or wherever so that his daughter is safe. I mean, this, this guy is on top of things. And so, dads, you are protective in your families. You keep your family safe. You make sure that your little boys and girls wear uh, the right uh, safety features. If they're riding a bike, they have to wear a helmet. And if they're swimming, they wear a life preserver. I mean, dads, you're, you're on top of it, right? You're going to protect your children so that nothing happens to them. You protect your wives. You're going to make sure you you pay attention to where your wife works. I guarantee it. You know, are all these men like vultures drooling over your wife? I mean, you're going to be on top of that type of a thing. Um, You're going to make sure that your family is protected men. Do I hear an amen? Dads? Okay. So you want to keep protecting your wives, keep protecting your children, keep protecting your family. Okay, let's uh, continue with our story here. I forgot to mention, this is a big one, dads. You really need to be protecting your children from social media, internet. Um, Also, you know, protecting them from just the junk that's out there in the world. Uh, And I'll, I'll get to that actually here in a minute. So it's, you know, parents put on parental control software for the children. The kids don't like that. But that's too bad because your goal is you don't want something to happen to them. I already did a message a while back on, um, you know, there's predators out there that are after children online. You guys are aware of that, right? And they're right here in in Lynchburg and Bedford area. So, dads, you really need to make sure that your your kids are protected online. Okay. So, um, Esther, meanwhile, I'm shifting back and forth here. Esther finds favor. Uh, Esther wins the beauty contest, guys. And so she 
is now going to be take the place of Queen Vashti, uh, which is pretty cool. So uh, Esther now is the queen, and Mordecai sits in the king's gate. So we know, we know what Vashti's doing. I'm sorry, we know what Esther's doing. But what is Mordecai doing now? So let's see here. Uh, verse, verse 21 through 23, we're going to see the wisdom of Mordecai. All right, so chapter 2, 21 through 23. In those days, while Mordecai sat within the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, Bigthan and Teresh, doorkeepers, became furious and sought to lay hands on King Ahasuerus. What do we mean, lay hands on the king? The one to take him out, right? Assassination attempt. So the matter became known to Mordecai, who told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. And when an inquiry was made into the matter, it was confirmed. And both men were hanged on the gallows, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles of the presence of the king. Okay, so... You know, Mordecai has wisdom here. Why? Well, wisdom always does what's right. Would you agree? So if you hear that there's assassination attempt, what's the right thing to do? To make, you know, to give a warning so it doesn't happen, right? And I thought, you guys remember, uh, I think this saying came from New York. Um, it, was, it was because of the terrorist attacks. If you see something, say something. You guys are familiar with that? You know, if you see a backpack under a chair in a subway, and there's nobody there, um, you know, say something and then move to the next car. You know? <laughs> uh, don't be stupid, right? That's, that's just plain good wisdom. So, you know, Mordecai hears, hears these two guys talking about, hey, they're going to take out the king. And so, you know, I, I think he probably would have done the right thing. But he has, a, he has an even stronger motive, doesn't he? His daughter is, is now, I guess, married the queen to king, right? So what happens if um, Ahasuerus gets taken out? She could possibly get taken out, right? I mean, if they take him out, they may take her out. So again, Mordecai, he's, I mean, he's on top of things. This guy really is. He's going to protect his uh, daughter, and he's using wisdom to do that. So he's like, hey, these guys aren't getting away with this thing. I'm going to point this out. Uh, so... I thought that was really neat. Uh, dads, you have wisdom. You know that dad with the scar? That's incredible wisdom, isn't it? Because that little boy who knows nothing, the minute he gets picked on at school, um, if he knows his dad, by the way, his dad is, to that little boy, his dad is big and strong, right? So he knows dad has that scar on his bald head. And he knows that there's a good chance dad is going to do something if someone bothers him. So just having that confidence, that little boy having that confidence that he's in the shadow, he's in the wings of his father. You know what I'm saying? That's a type of protection, uh, just knowing that he's in his father's love. That was, that was, a, that was a demonstration of love that, that dad had for his little boy. Uh, so, Dad, you have wisdom to do that kind of thing. Uh, you have wisdom to manage the money in your house. You have wisdom to buy cars, to buy houses. You have wisdom to love your wife, right? Dad's loving your wife. You, you want to learn, you know, the love languages of your wife. 
and uh, act accordingly on that. I mean, you have wisdoms to do that, Dad. You do that. Um, you know, you have wisdoms, Dad, to teach your family the Bible. Do you not? You better have wisdom to teach your family the Bible, or you, you have no wisdom. But you do, and you're doing that. And so continue to do that. That's encouraging. All right, moving right along. So now we're going to switch scenes. So Esther is the queen. Mordecai just saved the king's life. Was Mordecai rewarded? No, he was not rewarded. Okay, probably should point that out. Okay, but now enter the evil character, Haman. Okay, uh, so now uh, Mordecai is going to display courage. Right, so he's displayed sacrifice. He's displayed wisdom. He's displaying courage now. Let's take a look at chapter 3, 1 through 5. Okay, after these things, King Ahasuerus promoted Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. So princes are rulers. So Haman now is like, he's the ruler of the rulers. He's, he's a powerful figure. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gates, they bowed and paid homage to Haman. For so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow down or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were with within the king's gates said to Mordecai, why do you transgress the king's command? Now it happened when they spoke to him daily, he would not listen to them. But they told it to Haman to see whether Mordecai's words would stand. For Mordecai had told them he was a Jew. Okay, guys, the cat's out of the bag. The Jew word has been spoken. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai, for they had told him the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout all the kingdom. Okay, so who is Haman? He's an Agagite, right? Doesn't it sound like a rock or a mineral? An Agagite. <laughs> but actually, there was a king named Agag. Remember that? Agag was an Amalekite. And back 500 years in Saul's day, God told Saul, go kill the Amalekites because they're evil, wicked, mean, and nasty. So Saul's army, the Israelites, go to kill the Amalekites, and they kill them all except Agag. So Saul disobeyed God, of course. And so Samuel had to come and kill Agag. He actually hacked him to pieces with a sword. So Mordecai was... A Benjamite, right? The son of Kish. Haman is an Agagite related to King Agag. And these two factions have been at war with each other all these years. And there must it ran deep. You know how family feuds can run deep? Well, there, there may have been like a little family feud going on with this thing here. But anyway, Haman now is in a position to kill Mordecai, isn't he? So... Mordecai took courage for him not to bow down to Haman. I took great courage because Haman had the power to put him to death. Uh, so why, the question is, why didn't Mordecai bow to Haman? It's possible Haman claimed deity. 
And Mordecai was just saying, hey, I only bow to the one true God. I don't bow to these strange gods. Sorry, I'm not doing it. That's possible, but it doesn't say that. What's probable is that Mordecai knew Haman was an Agagite. And in his mind, the Agagites, the Amalekites, were, God, were the enemies of God's people, Israel. He's not, he's not about to bow to any enemy of Israel. So he ain't going to do it. Forget it. And so he knew he could be killed. So this guy had courage for his convictions, didn't he? That's, that's pretty intense, actually. Um, so dads, you have courage, don't you? This uh, guy that had the scar tattooed on his bald head, he had courage. And so how can I illustrate that? So all you dads, picture having your head shaved right after church. Just lying down in the lobby and we're just going to shave heads. Then we're going down to the local tattoo parlor. We can wear our masks. That's cool. They can do a tattoo while we're wearing a mask. So now they're going to tattoo a big red scar on your bald head. Some of you already have a bald head. Um, <laughs> that's okay. So now everybody you know is going to see you. You're going to work on Monday, into work. Everyone's going to see your bald head, and they're going to see that big red tattoo. I mean, I would be uncomfortable, to be honest with you. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it, but I would be very uncomfortable doing it. So that dad had courage to get that tattoo. Um, so dads, you have courage. You have courage to um, you know, go against the grain of society. If you look around you, if you look at the news, what do you see? You see our society is decaying. It's imploding, isn't it? We're, shoot, we're in a boat shooting holes in the boat. That's smart, isn't it? <laughs> it's like we try to bail the boat, but then we keep shooting holes in the boat. It's like that's really going to go far. So our, the boat of democracy in this country, this is my, this is my opinion, is starting to sink. It takes courage to stand against the current of the world system. It takes courage to do what's right, doesn't it? So, dads, you do what's right. You're not going to cheat. You're not going to lie. You're going to report all your income on your income taxes because you're going to do what's right in front of your children and what's right in front of God. And it takes courage to do, to do that, doesn't it? So keep doing that, guys. Okay, so... We see that uh, Mordecai definitely has courage. Dads, you have courage. Uh, let's let's uh, go to our final one now. Uh, Haman gets the king to write a letter, an edict, to all 127 provinces of the greatest empire on the planet. And he says, hey guys, we don't like the Jews. You don't like the Jews. On the 13th of the month of Adar, you can kill them and attack them. And you can take everything they own. Isn't that cool? Send it out all throughout the empire. So now, Mordecai hears about this. So this guy, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he rips his clothes and puts on sackcloth and ashes. And he immediately gets word to Esther. Why? Because he, he, he gets word to Esther and says, Look, you need to go to the king and plead the case of the Jews. Okay, so now Esther gets word back to Mordecai and says, I don't know if I can do that because if I go to the king and I'm not summoned by him, if he doesn't extend his scepter to me, I'll be killed. 
Okay, so let's hear, let's pick it up with Mordecai's response to that. Um, Mordecai has discernment. That's, that's the quality here. Okay, we're in chapter 4, verse 12 through 14. Chapter 4. Okay, so this is Mordecai's answer to Esther, right? And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. I'm going to stop right there. How does he know relief is going to arise from another place? Because he has faith, right? Now, that's not one of the quality. That's a quality I could have, I could have talked about. But Mordecai has faith here, doesn't he? He knows God is going to bless the Jews. If an enemy is coming against God's chosen people, God's going to raise up a standard against him, period. Mordecai knew that. But you, Esther, and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And we all know that saying, right? For such a time as this, for such a time as this. What does that really mean? Okay, Mordecai has spiritual discernment for the times that he's in. Let me, let me give you the context here. Uh, this is pretty cool. Who is Mordecai? Who was Mordecai before Esther was queen? Mordecai is a nobody. Would you agree? Mordecai was an enemy of the Persian people who was held in captivity, right? Who was Esther? She was the daughter of a nobody. She was an orphan whose parents had died. You got it? So it was Mordecai... And his orphan daughter, anybody prominent, anybody big, anybody powerful? No, they were nobodies, captive in a foreign land. So Mordecai, it all of a sudden dawns on him, my nobody daughter is now the queen in the most powerful realm on the planet. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? So he's like, I wonder if God put her there so that she could deliver the Jews for this season. So you see the context of that? Isn't that cool? I thought that was really cool. God does stuff like that. So Esther says, I'll do it. If I die, I die. So she had to, she had to have some faith to do that, right? And I'm not going to go into the details, but she ends up going to the king and eats with Haman, and she turns the table completely on Haman, and the very gallows that Haman had made to hang, or to cut uh, Mordecai's head off with, uh, Haman ended up getting hung on those gallows. Uh, so that, that was pretty neat. So now, um, now that uh, Haman was out of the picture, of course, Mordecai was promoted. I'm not going into all the details on that. So now Mordecai and Esther now have a prominent position with the king. Mordecai uses his wisdom again. He writes, there, the king grants them permission permission to write an edict to send to all the provinces, all 127 of them, saying, hey, when the Persians attack you, you have permission to attack them back and kill them and defend yourselves. And that's exactly what happened on the 13th day of Adar. It said the people feared, the Persians feared because of Mordecai. God did that. That that is really cool. And so, of course, the, uh, the Jews were able to defend themselves and destroy their enemies. Who were the Jews' enemies? Those who were trying to kill them, obviously. And, of course, that, that was that uh, celebration of Purim. 
Uh, that's where that began, and that's even celebrated to this day. But what I really want to close with is, dads, you have discernment. You can discern the spiritual times. And in case you forgot what the spiritual times are, I'm going to read them to you. But you know them. Okay. So I'm in 2 Timothy uh, 3. But you know this, dads, that in the last days, we're in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. True or false? Lovers of money. True. Boasters, proud. I mean, if you just look at the politicians, if you just look at the TV stars, if you just look at all the tweets going out there, what do you hear, guys? It's, it's, it's a mess. From our political leaders to the Hollywood leaders to whoever, it's a mess. You can say anything you want, can't you, through Twitter? You can tweet whatever you want. It doesn't matter. And here's what also doesn't matter. Remember Isaiah said, God said through Isaiah, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. Guys, that is right now like to the max. Okay, so you are raising children in that generation where from the highest office to the lowest office, from the greatest movie stars, rock stars, whatever stars, it's a mess. And 2,000 years ago, what did Paul say? He said, hey, Timothy, the world is a mess. He said they're unforgiving, slanders, they have no self-control. I mean, isn't that true? Just do whatever you want. You don't need need self-control with your words. You can say anything you want on social media. You can be Christian. You can be not. It doesn't matter. You can say anything you want. Despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. So, Dad, you have the discernment from the the times that we're living in. And so you're teaching your children about the truth. You're teaching your children they do need godly self-control. You're teaching your family, hey, we don't do that. We We don't just speak our mind. We don't just go off on any little thing, right? We're going to be slow to speak. We're going to be slow to wrath, and we're going to be quick to listen. That's what we're going to do. It doesn't matter if all these other people just going off, going off, going off. You know, it, it's, it's, it's normal to go off now. You're, if you're in high school, it's normal for your friends to go off. That, that's what they do. They go off. It's cool to go off, actually. You know that, guys? You know exactly what I'm talking about. But dads, you have the discernment to teach your family otherwise, don't you? And you've got to do it. Because if you don't do it, what are they going to do? They're going to be without self-control. They're going to be brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of play. And that's not what we want our families to be, is it? So you have discernment. Here is what is so cool about all this. What was the fruit of Mordecai's exhibiting sacrifice Protection, wisdom, discernment, and courage. What was the fruit? He saved an entire nation, right? Isn't that the fruit? Not only did he save his daughter, and he kept his daughter safe, he saved the entire nation from getting wiped out. So here's the, here's the big encouragement, dads. As you continue to do these things, 
an increase in these qualities. You want to increase in wisdom. You want to increase in courage. You want to increase in love. You want to increase in uh, discernment. As you increase in all these things, your family is going to reap blessings. Do you realize that? Just like Mordecai reaped incredible things, your family, God's going to bless your children, your children's children, your children's children. I wish I knew that song we sang a couple weeks ago that talked about that because that would be a perfect song to end with. Um, But dads, be encouraged. It's worth fighting for your families. And you are fighting for your families, so I applaud you. So if you're a dad right now, go ahead and stand up. Go ahead, stand up, dads. Don't be shy. And I want to pray a blessing over all the dads that are in here. Dads in cyberspace, feel free to, to stand up. Get out of your bed. Stand up. <laughs> I, just, I just want to pray. Dads are under attack. Would you agree? If you watch TV or the movies, dads look like the buffoons and fools. But that's not what the Scripture teaches. And so I'm going to honor dads. That was the purpose of this message. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you right now. We thank you that you're our Heavenly Father, that you're our dad. You adopted us into your family. And Lord, we honor you. We glorify you. And Lord, we we admit we want to be like the Father. We want to be like the Heavenly Father to our children. God, I confess that I'm, I'm uh, I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes with my family. But Lord, I want to be a better family, better father to my family, to my children, to my wife. Lord, I pray right now for blessings on all these dads that have stood up, dads that can't be here. I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill them. I pray they'd have a greater love, a greater courage, a greater discernment, a greater ability to protect and love, a greater wisdom, Lord, for their families and to discern the times that we're in. Lord, I bless their children, their children's children, until Jesus comes back. And I thank you for the dad and the men's in this church that step up to the plate and stand for righteousness in a crooked and perverse generation. So, God, you get the glory from the dads in this church. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Amen. All right. Amen, dads. Good job.